all my brain does is simplify and see patterns. So the secret to building a successful global company is you see a problem, you create solution, problem solve, successful global company. See a problem, create solution. That's all it is. So I just talked to all these people and they're like, oh, I have this problem. I saw this problem. There was this gap. They created a solution. Solved, they solved it. They executed the solution. A lot of people don't execute the solution. I just executed the solution and then successful global company. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome in Contrarian Cashflow. I've got Justin Breen with me here today. Justin, how are you doing, my man? I'm always a contrarian, so my whole life I've always been a contrarian, so I'm very excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, man. Well, you got to think differently to succeed, right? That's that's where the gains come. Yeah, so uh, one of my clients, she's um, she said something very profound. She said, people want weird, they don't want normal, so weird is good. So. Exactly. Exactly. So for those folks that don't know, so Justin is a former veteran journalist, uh, accidental entrepreneur, <laughs> founder of the PR firm Brepic Communications, and of course, above all else, a loving father and husband. So I know you always got a million things on your plate, Justin. What are you working on right now? Yeah, that's interesting. For me, less is more. Um, I actually don't do a lot of things, but if I do them, it has to be at the highest level. And uh, most entrepreneurs are the exact opposite of what you just described. They're all over the place. And I'm the most simplistic, basic thing. And I just execute at the highest level of those very few things that I do. Directed to the point, right? Results. That's what it's all about. Right. I mean, at the highest level, people just want results. So you know, I talk to a lot of people who talk a lot and then they don't deliver results. I actually don't talk a lot at all. I just deliver results. And uh, I will talk a lot because you're interviewing me, but most of the time I don't, I just, just get stuff done, get it done. Straight into the point. So right. <laughs> well, I, I know we want to get into kind of the, the career journey and, and how you got to, to Brepic and founding that, but I yeah. know um, I really want you kind of to share with the audience kind of just your origin, right? I think you have such an interesting story and background that's obviously had a profound impact on, on your life and who you are today. Yeah. Well, well thanks for asking that. Um, you know, the speech that always, um, that I always think about is the Jimmy V speech. And it's just, the, I, you know, arguably one of the greatest speeches ever. And he, you know, basically talks about you have to know where you came from, know where you are, and then know where you're going. And a lot of people have no idea where they came from, so they don't know who they are. I know very strongly where I came from, and it's helped me figure out who I am, but then more importantly, where I'm going. And um, so I was, uh, I was just born with a story in my head, and I was born with a connecting brain just in my head. Um, and just so people understand, you know, that doesn't sound like a deranged lunatic talking. I, I'll explain it. When I was born, my dad was 61 and my mom was 27. So there's a 34-year difference, and uh, that's a big difference. And my father, he was a soldier in World War II, first lieutenant. Um, he became an attorney in the Nuremberg Trials, a president of a company. Came from nothing, came from nothing. He and his three brothers served actively in the armed forces. And when he was fighting the Battle of the Hurrican Forest, that was a very deadly battle in, uh, in World War II. And he kept a diary. He kept a diary of those experiences. I don't know how he did that um, because it, the diary is one of the greatest things I've ever read. Um, you know, he's sleeping in a foxhole, raining on him, you know, 
Nazis are firing things, and so he, he kept a diary of that. And so my dad died when I was 13, and um, I don't care a lot about material things at all, um, but that diary I care about a lot, and so I found it after he died. And uh, I write, I write exactly like he does. And honestly, I talk like I just boom, 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 but just direct, direct into the point, inform and entertain, inform and entertain. And so, like my book, it's like it's just like his diary. It's just boom, 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 boom. And so that that's my dad. And then uh, my mom, twenty seven, I was born. My dad was driving uh, on an expressway in his late 50s, um, and then uh, this was before they had a cement median, so uh, grassy knoll, so a drunk driver came through and hit him head on. The drunk driver was killed. My dad was not. I don't know how. He broke every bone in his body, but he survived, and my mom was his nurse, and my mom literally nursed him back to health. And I hang around people at the highest level of hustling, like the biggest hustler entrepreneurs ever, I've never met anyone with more hustle than my mom ever. So you combine that hustle with writing a diary in one of the most one of the most beautiful written thing ever in a, a battle zone, war zone, and then here I am. So <laughs> it's like I was just born like this, you know. Before before I was born, I was like this. So it is just that's how it is. And so I just use those unique abilities that that genetics, that bloodline. Those strengths, I just that's just what I do all day. And it's easy for me because it's in my blood, literally. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously with your dad passing away at the age of, of 13 in your life, how, right. how was that moving forward and, and with your mom and, and what, you know, how did you kind of move past that and move forward? Because that, that's a pretty young <laughs> well, age. Well, one, you don't move past that. You never move past that. Um, at least I don't think so. I mean, I think about my dad every day. I don't, I don't, but. You do move forward because um, a lot of entrepreneurs, they care about revenue and office space and employee count. I, that, all that stuff's meaningless to me. My company is insanely profitable because I'm so focused and I only work with a certain type of person. But really, I just want to be a good dad. I don't, all this other stuff is, it's just nonsense to me. It always has been. It's meaningless. Like, you don't, if you don't have a good family, then all this other stuff is meaningless. And I have found, there's obviously exceptions to this, but people that are chasing the revenue, the office space, all this other stuff, they're, you know, they're running away from something else. I'm not running away from anything else. I just want to be with my family and working with a certain type of person at the highest level. Byproduct is, byproduct is my company is insanely profitable and keeps getting better and better every day. I love that perspective. And I mean, right. I think that's really important. I think that's, that's a contrarian perspective, by the way. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's what's something that I personally, and I know a lot of the audience struggle with is, you know, those professional aspirations, be it either in a corporate career or in an entrepreneurial venture and kind of weighing that. And, and I think that's one thing that I'm constantly in balance of and, and working towards is making sure that first and foremost, a loving husband, you know, and there for my children, loving father day in and day out. And, you know, just pushing myself like back to your point around the hustle to make sure that I'm trying to be the best I can at that and, you know, pushing myself in the business ventures as well. And everything else will kind of just take care of itself. But yeah, not the fancy cars, big houses, things like that, right? It's all about the time that you can spend with loved ones and and, and make a positive impact on their life so they can in turn make a more positive impact on the world. 
So, you know, it sounds simple and people complicate things. Um, I'm a hundred percent simplifier. So I just blah, 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 blah. And I just simplify it. And, um, my baseline, it's a very simple baseline, very simple disqualifier. If I meet someone and I, I'm like, oh, and I know right away, they're going to annoy me and take away time from my family. I'm never talk to them again. And most people can't, they can't do that. And, and, you know, a lot of people 10x, they want a 10x revenue and all that other stuff. And that's fine, by the way, go for it. Um, I just want a 10x experiences in life with my family. If you have a good family life, you have a good life and 10x network on a global level. When you do that, you create endless opportunities for your network and yourself. So I, I'm either doing essentially one of three things. One, I have five to 10 conversations every Monday through Friday with the top level entrepreneurs in the world. And we just talk and it's no, I mean, byproduct is business, but we barely even talk about business. Two, working with my clients to share their stories with the world. Three, spending time with my family. That's it. I don't, there's nothing else. I don't know why you want to do anything else, but people do. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that focus is obviously a huge reason for the success, right? You know, being very clear and concise with, uh, with what, you're, what you're wanting to do and, and be. Yep. So it's, it's a good point. Good question. Um, so let me dovetail with this. So I know who I am. And I really know who I'm not. That's just as important. I know who I'm not. I'm not all these other things. I'm just, I, I am who I am. And all that does is attract people who get that. And the people who do get that are the highest performing entrepreneurs in the world who will make big investments because they don't look at anything as a cost. They're not scarcity mindset. They're just, what is an investment? Let's get this done. Don't waste, don't waste my time. I won't waste yours. Just get results. Problem solved. So obviously that's such a powerful point around, you know, who you are and you know, who you aren't. How mm-hmm. did, how did that happen? Did that, was that kind of, you know, just throughout life, you've been able to learn that or what's a recommendation to folks out there that may be struggling with that dynamic of what, you know, what their purpose may be or who they are meant to be for the world? Yeah, right. So thank you for asking that. And again, a good part of my day is five to 10 conversations every Monday with the top performing entrepreneurs in the world. And so we just talk about this stuff and one of them is Jesse Elder, who's an amazing guy. Strongly recommend people look him up. He's got hundreds of thousands of followers and he's a, he's a genius. And so I was talking to him because we were just talking. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's what I, who I am and who I'm not. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And so I have high follow-throughs. So I'm like, yeah, so I know who I am and know who I'm not. And uh, when you have conversations at the highest level constantly, then your brain, and my brain is a sponge for absorbing knowledge. And, and um, my brain is a CRM for names. I don't write anything down. I can just remember things. And so I'm in a constant quest to find brains that understand what I'm talking about. And so when they have good knowledge, it's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll incorporate that into my life. Very simple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's delve back into the the, the diary and and your father. So sure. um, so was that kind of where your interest in writing began? Or, or how did how did you springboard from, you know, 13, obviously the traumatic event to, you know, this journalistic career. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that because that's a deep dive. You're a high fact finder. And so, no, I would read this uh, Chicago Tribune sports section with my dad when I was four, five, six years old. One of the first photos taken of me is with my mom sitting on her lap. I was reading the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper. I might've been six months old, voracious reader and constantly curious Good combination to be a journalist, <laughs> voracious reader, constantly curious. Um, and so, no, I've always wanted to be – what I do now, it's, there's no difference between what I do now and, and what I did as a journalist. Um, other than I get to choose what, who I want to work with and, 
you know, what, what an investment looks like with my company and how I grow it. But it's the same exact stories and the same exact type of people. And so obviously you went to school for that and then you, you worked in the industry for, you know, be, the better part of 20 years. So I love the perspective of the accidental entrepreneur, right? Because <laughs> obviously you've talked so much before and I've heard so many other interviews with you around mindset and pers- personality and you just kind of needed that nudge. So what right. was that point in time when you went from the corporate journalist to, you know, this accidental entrepreneur? I really want to hear that, that journey. Sure. Yeah, because the journey is what matters. All this other stuff. Nobody cares about what you do. They care about who you are. So, and I'll answer it like this too. Like I was born to be an entrepreneur, even though it's an accidental term, I was always this person. I just basically pushed into it, but, but I was always meant to be this person. I was always contrarian, always an outlier. So, and all entrepreneurs are contrarian outliers. That's why they become entrepreneurs because most people can't do this, but to land the plane and answer your question, uh, I'll give you the timeline. Uh, February 10th, 2017, I was working. Oh, that's coming up. Oh, so February 10th, 2017, uh, I was working full-time as a journalist. Had a five-minute meeting with the uh, managing editor and the owner of the company. And they, uh, in five minutes, uh, they said, okay, we have to cut your salary in half uh, just due to cutbacks. I didn't do anything wrong. It's just that's what happens in journalism. So... That was February 10th, 2017. I tried to find a job. I couldn't couldn't find a job. So I incorporated. My company's called Brepic, April 16th, 2017. So over the next six weeks, I reached out to 5,000 people to get my first five clients. So one out of 1,000 said yes, 999 no's for every yes. And uh, I got the fifth client. It was like June 1st, June 2nd, I resigned. And then June 5th, uh, Robert Feeder, he's the top media columnist in the Midwest did a story. I'd started my own firm. So that's the, that's the timeline. That's the origin. And I kind of flippantly say, reached out to 5,000 people to get first five clients. Most people can't do that. That's why they're, they're, they're not meant to be entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs at the highest level, that's, that's just entrepreneur life. So I was always meant to do this. What was it like though? I mean, that, that hit rate, you know, I mean, what was the feeling like reaching out to that many people? I mean, did you have expectations of you know, to, <laughs> expectations, you know, clean no. more or what, you know, I mean, that, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of effort um, and, and hustle. So, so what was the feeling like through that process? And, and, you know, in the midst of this, having your salary cut in half, you know, where were you at from a mental standpoint? <laughs> mental and drive? Okay. So remember my, I've never met a bigger hustler than my mom. So I, that's half of my brain. So endless hustle. So hustle for me is just whatever. Um, it's just hustle. And so I've met thousands of the world's top entrepreneurs since starting this. I've talked to the world's top. I mean, I did thousands and thousands and thousands of stories of journalists. So I still have not met one of the highest performing people that has not overcome at least one of the following four things. Most of them are two or three. Some are all four. The all four ones are really successful, by the way, um, depending on how you look at success. But so the four things are uh, bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy, two, depression, three, the highest level of anxiety you can imagine, and four, likely and or possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So directly answer your questions with those four patterns that I see over and over and over and over and over. Thousands of people, it was three of those four, but that's entrepreneur life. And most people can't handle that, so they can't become entrepreneurs or they fizzle out. Me, because of my genetics and I was born to do this. That I, you just do it. There's indeed there. 
people with the wrong mindset, they make excuses. There are people with the right mindset, they make the investment. There are no excuses. So despite whatever was going on mentally, you just get it done. There are no excuses. So you just get it done. That was just to get the company started. That was just to get it started. Most people couldn't do that, but then to keep it going and really make it thrive to where it's gotten now. That When I got my salary cut in half, that was not even in the top 50 worst days of being an entrepreneur because this life, people think this is sunshine and rainbows. They have no idea. You know, they don't have any idea, but if you do have the genetics and, and you're born to be like this, then you can thrive at the very highest level. You just, just most people aren't born like that. They don't have the they don't, they're not capable of doing that, which is fine. The world needs more integrators and employees anyway to follow through on all this wackadooness that otherwise nothing would get done. So, so I know you said you, you were struggling looking for a job. And so when you decided to launch launch Brepic, I know you found kind of a problem. Again, back to kind of the simplistic, right? You know, nature of just everything, right? And success. Yeah. And yep. so so what was the problem that you felt was in within the industry that you could solve <laughs> Right. Um, coming from your journalistic background. Yeah, and you're a high fact finder. I don't know if you've ever taken your Colby test, K-O-L-B-E, but if you have, send me your score. It's $55 <laughs> US. Takes you, it's the top entrepreneurial test in the world. So, uh, the, only, the problem is you, you'd mentioned those, uh, those four points and I haven't really struggled through any of them. You might be the exception to the exception of the exception. Um, <laughs> no, man, I just think you're interesting and I just owe it, I owe it to you to, to bring out all the, all the stops, right? So no, but yeah, absolutely. So what was that gap that you saw based off your background that you were able to to take advantage of and obviously exponentially grow this this venture? Yeah, so all my brain does is simplify and see patterns. So the secret to building a successful global company is you see a problem, you create solution, problem solve, successful global company. See a problem, create solution. That's all it is. So I just talked to all these people and they're like, oh, I have this problem. I saw this problem. There was this gap. They created a solution, solved, they solved it, they executed the solution. A lot of people don't execute the solution. I just executed the solution and then successful global company. So I created, I was a journalist for 20 years, created my entire business model based on how PR firms annoyed me for 20 years. Solve a problem, create a solution, problem solve a successful global company. And so I was just annoyed. So I was annoyed uh, hundreds of times a day. You get these useless press releases from people you don't know. And they're useless because they talk about what a person does, not who they are. And nobody cares about what you do. Nobody cares. And so my company solved that problem. My company creates actual newsworthy stories similar to what I did as a journalist. But by the way, this is all on my company's website. No competition, all collaboration. My company's entire process is right there because people don't have my mindset and they don't have my network. So whatever, doesn't matter. There's no competition. It's all collaboration. And so my company creates these newsworthy stories that become links on the client's website under news or blog. So it'll look like a story you see in the Chicago Tribune or New York Times, whatever. That link, uh, I take that link, pitch it to media all over the world when media is interested, put them in touch with the client. Problem solved. Solves the problem. And so it works with any business size, any location, any vertical, none of that. That's meaningless. That's landing the plane stuff. My company just solves the problem. I just only work with a certain type of person who gets it at the highest level and will make the investment. No cost scarcity. No, no what do you cost or charge? What does an investment with you look like? That's, that's all it is. I think that's one thing that so many entrepreneurs struggle with. And I know for me personally, just kind of, you know, getting things off the ground, I think the the cost value benefit, right? And so what's your suggestion for folks that maybe do struggle with, oh, this costs X or especially when you start talking about coaching programs and things like that. No, 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 no. 
People with the wrong mindset make excuses. People with the right mindset make the investment. There is no cost. It's all an investment. That's, that's what I mean. And I'm so simplistic with that. That just eliminates all that. That just eliminates what you just asked because people either understand you make the investment or you make an excuse. There are no excuses. Make the investment, and so I just hang out with people that understand it's an investment, not a cost, because they are the ones that have abundance mindset and they're visionaries, and they're the ones creating the companies and the mindsets and all that stuff that that employ all the billions of people. That's what I mean. I only work with one type of person. It eliminates what you just asked. And so how does, so how, from a business perspective, is that something from day one that when you were no, watching Brepping, no, no, you no, had no. the same perspective? No, 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 no. So I was always an entrepreneur, but um, you can, I just work on my mindset every day. So I treat my brain like a muscle. I just treat my brain like a muscle. So I don't watch a lot of TV. I listen to a lot of motivational podcasts. I'm in three of the top entrepreneurial groups in the world. All five-figure investments, by the way, to be in those five-figure investments. Good investments. You get what you pay for. Not a cost. No, 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 no. Investment. Because when you're in a room with people like that, you become someone like that. All abundance, all visionary, all investment mindset. It eliminates all cost scarcity mindset. So if you just work on that every day like a muscle, which I do, then you just build an impenetrable mindset. And the beauty of that is it can exponentially grow. There's no limit to how amazing your mindset can go and then what the types of people that will attract. And so 99.9% .9 of people have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay because I'm only talking to the 0.1% who either get it or they want to get it and they'll make the investment to get it. Solves the problem. No, absolutely. And so getting into these different groups and I know strategic coach and, and all these ventures that, that you're a part of now, how much was that a part of your journey from a journalistic perspective? Or is this something that's happened just in the last few years? Yeah, that's a, so my company, again, I guess my company's official anniversary is February 10th when, my, when the salary was cut in half, but I didn't incorporate till April 16th. But 90% uh, of the way I live my life, uh, run my company, raise my rates exponentially is what I've learned in Strategic Coach. So that's the top entrepreneurial group in the world, which is co-founded by Dan Sullivan, who's the top entrepreneurial coach in the world who's ever lived. I'm very confident saying that, one, because the top entrepreneurs in the world are in it, and anyone who knows what Strategic Coach is agrees with me. So there's no... And then Dan is the greatest entrepreneurial coach who's ever lived. So um, being in that has supercharged, really exponentially grown my mindset, uh, which led to me being an EO entrepreneurs organization. And then also I just joined Abundance 360 a couple months ago. I'd say eh, 30 or 40% of the members of Abundance 360 are in strategic coach or were in that. And uh, no, I'm just in a room with the right people. That's all. It just, um, it just bypasses all the, the nonsense and just focuses on the right people who understand what I'm talking about. And, and uh, I understand what they're talking about and they just, they just want to grow together. They just want to collaborate. And I know for me personally, that's something that I've struggled with kind of transitioning from one of the questions you asked in the beginning of the episode was around, um, what did your parents do? Right. And so I think that's one thing um, when I look at myself and think about, you know, kind of my journey is my dad was very successful corporate. He was a corporate CFO for a publicly traded company. And so, yeah, he was extremely successful, but yep. there was still always that, that scarcity mindset, you know, and, and I saw right. him struggle later on in life when his company got bought out by private equity and they kind of just kicked him to the curb, you know, and, right. and it was very, very difficult because he didn't insulate himself in regards to the network. It was always just, Hey, I'm, you know, I've got a great corporate gig. My resume speaks for itself. I'm, nope. I'm set. I'm good. Meaningless. So Meaningless. <laughs> That's the same with journalism. It's, journalism just forces you out eventually for the most part. 
And I think that's one thing that I'm, you know, learning more about that I, I know you're huge on is the power and the value of the network. And so obviously these different programs and things that you're a part of that are allowing you to, to interact with these different minds. Um, what are, what are some of the best overall just networking tips and, you know, personal growth tips out there for folks that are, you know, at the beginning stages of this journey, trying to build that brand and, and that personal network? Yeah. Apologies for the ding. There might be a couple more, but, um, Okay, so all I do is simplify and see patterns. So if you have the right mindset, it attracts the right network, which creates the right opportunities. I will say that again because I say it a million times a day because that's all this—that's all it is. All this other stuff's meaningless to me. If you have the right mindset, it creates the right network, and that creates the right opportunities. So I just have the right mindset, which attracts the top people in the world, and they create the opportunities for me. I haven't done outbound sales or funnels or any of that garbage in years because I have the right mindset that attracts the right people who understand what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, I want to work with you. I want to introduce you to this person who's doing this. Problem solved. So that's why I work on my brain like a muscle because when you have an impenetrable mindset, it attracts other impenetrable mindsets, and those people are the ones running high six-figure to ten-figure businesses. They see their families whenever they want to, and they do what they like to do and what they're good at, like me. That's all it does. Or they're going to be one of those people. They won't make an excuse. They'll just make the investment. That's it. So I will keep saying that, and uh, it's really interesting to me because most entrepreneurs are not like this. They're either ADD, diagnosed, or undiagnosed, and they're all over the place. And so then I talk to them, and they're like, oh, that's the most simplistic thing I've ever heard in my life. And I go, well, one, I'm a hundred percent simplifier. Two, that's how I created a successful global company with zero business background. None, no business knowledge at all. Similar to what your dad went through. I didn't know. I mean, good journalism job, corporate world. They don't teach you any of this in the corporate world. They teach you to be a good employee. They don't teach you how to think for yourself. So, um, I just learned if you have the right mindset, it attracts the right network, creates the right opportunities. And learned, learned and executed and continue to double down, triple down, 10 times down on that, that very simple formula that's incredibly effective and profitable. 100%. 100%. And so one thing that I'm curious your take on in general around just media, obviously things are, you know, there's you know, whatever you want to say about the media, obviously. Um, but you've got social media, you've got the mainstream media, you've got all these different mediums where you can consume content, be it books, mm -hmm. internet, podcasts, videos, YouTube, what, whatever the case is. So coming from a journalistic background and, and what you're seeing in the PR space, what do you see as kind of the future and, you know, the, the gains people can make through different mediums, be it social media, podcasting, things of that sort to help expedite the, you know, the, the visibility of their brands? Yeah, that's interesting. Good question. So I was a journalist for 20 years. I run a PR firm. I never watch the news, never read the paper, never. It's important for my clients to be in there, and that's great. I'm very happy for that. Um, but media, for the most part, is a fear-based perspective, cost-scarcity mindset, and I'm the exact opposite to that, so why would I consume that media? So podcasts are replacing mainstream media in terms of relevance and importance. I'll say that again. Podcasts are replacing mainstream media, media in, uh, in terms of relevance and importance. And because I simplify and see patterns, there are three reasons why. Very three simple reasons why. One, the podcast host is an entrepreneur, not a journalist. So a journalist is coming from a base of fear, trying to save their job, corporate fear. A podcast host, for the most part, is coming from a place of abundance. And, and so they're an entrepreneur, not a journalist. Big difference. I'm an entrepreneur who happens to be a journalist, not a journalist who's a journalist. There's a very big difference there. It's like a lawyer who's a lawyer as opposed to an entrepreneur who happens to be a lawyer. That's 
that's like two different planets. So that's one reason. Two, you can do a deep dive on the subject, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour longer, whatever that is. So you get to really, really get to know someone. It's not a drive-by interview. And then three, this is the most important that I've seen. The audience, um, the audience is not as large quantity-wise, but it's a far more qualified audience. So regular person's probably not going to listen to this, but a visionary wackadoo who thinks at the highest level will, or somebody will post it and then that person will be drawn to it. So, because I simplify and see patterns, podcasts are just transactional and transformational platforms for entrepreneurs. That's all they are. It's a transformational, transactional platform for entrepreneurs. I've been on, um, I think, seven, maybe eight. I've been, I've been a guest on seven or eight podcasts where the host has become my firm's client. So I'll say that again because you're like, oh, doesn't make sense. No, I've been a guest on seven or eight podcasts where the host has become my client because they're like, oh, this is this makes sense. And so from my perspective, if you do want to talk business perspective, because of the book I wrote, I've become this key somehow where the podcast hosts want to interview me first. And then they're like, oh my God, you work with people like that? I go, yeah, why, why would I work? I don't want to work with boring people. And then they want to interview my clients as well. So it's great for me and it's great for my clients. So everybody wins because it's all collaborative. And uh, so the podcasts are... I've been saying this for years, and Forbes just did a giant article. I mean, not not a pay-for-play, garbage pay-for-play thing, a real article, and that's fine. But it's all that's all ego and vanity. It doesn't podcast is way way more important than Forbes article or an Inc article or any of that. I think it's interesting when you talk about you talked about, you know, the article is a lot more about vanity or, you know, a claim or things of that sort. But in regards to, you know, the right mindset and the people that are listening to this, I saw some pretty interesting statistics around the the audience of podcasts, you know, about the household income. I think it said household income is, yep. is, 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 is tremendous, you know, for tremendously high for household income. And then, um, yeah, there were just so many statistics about the folks that listen to podcasts and, and and what they're getting out of them and kind of to your point about not just the audience, but then, you know, the ways you can connect. And, and that's one of my favorite things. And actually, probably my favorite thing that I've gotten out of podcasting so far is it'd be difficult to say, hey, Justin, I want an hour on your calendar. Let's go shoot the bull or whatever, right? Oh. <laughs> no, well, well, one, so that's a good point. So one, my Calendly, uh, calendar items are 25 minutes. Um, uh, and then if I get to know someone, then then we'll go longer. But yeah, an hour, no, not off the bat. But so again, I, and I think this is what has happened is podcast interviews, again, business perspective, it, it's like a glorified interview. That's basically what it is. Um, it's really fascinating to me. And I did not expect that, but that's that's just the byproduct of being who you are and then knowing who you're not. And if it repels people, that's okay, whatever. I'm just attracting the people I want to attract anyway. Back to the, you know, confident and, and knowing who you are, right? You know, not trying, please, not trying to please everybody. Yeah, so you hit the, the magic word. A lot of people think it comes off as arrogant. It's the exact opposite of arrogance, the exact opposite. It's just confidence, extreme confidence. And arrogance is when you think you're good at everything. I'm uh, Things that a, a, a trained monkey could do, I can't do them. Like, I just am useless. But at, the, at these two connecting, you know, in media, getting people in media, one of the best in the world at that. That's not Arians. I just know that. I just am. I mean, but like you ask me to assemble something or do a puzzle, I I can't do it. Useless. Things that a child can do. 
can't do it, but I wouldn't want to do it anyway because I'm not good at it and I don't like to do it. I just do what I like to do and what I'm good at. So one question I'm always curious about, especially being in a family myself too. So what was what was the relationship like in the transition from, you know, so you'd been journalist for 20 years. What was the process and and did it, you know, were there any challenges between you and your wife or anything when you were trying to make this transition to yeah. the to the entrepreneurial? So that's an excellent question. So I would say 99% of the 99.9% of the time that would be incredibly valid. For my family, it's completely invalid. I'm going to tell you why. Because I married the kindest, nicest, most sensible, grounded. If you think of the exact opposite personality, that's my wife. So my wife, she's, she's a pediatrician. Stable, kind, loving, rules, order. Like it, I don't know why she married me, but she, opposites attract, whatever. But she did. So she married me. So no. So she is, she just, she lands the plane so I can fly up here. I've fly, flown the you know, plane so well that now she doesn't have to work as much, but she never gets overexcited about anything. She's been excited twice since I've started my company. Once when I started my company, she said, you're going to do incredibly well. She never says that unless she means it. And then two, when I wrote this book, she said, it's going to change company, everything. I'm like, okay. So no. She's the, without now, if, if she wasn't around, oh God, I mean, it would, yeah, but that's a different story. So because of my wife, I start every morning with a gratitude journal for my wife, what I'm grateful for her. That's the first thing I do every morning is I write what I'm grateful for, for what she did the previous day. And that's a really good pattern, which has become a really good habit. But so that's why the question's invalid because she's a human at the highest level. I'm not really, I mean, she's made me kind of a human, but um, she's just the nicest person I've ever met in my whole life. That's powerful. I mean, it's so, it's so enjoyable to hear people and their support systems around them and, and how they've been able to right. maintain this through the support of their spouse. And, you know, I mean, kind of back to, you know, I know you've said before that you guys have a little bit of different personalities and stuff. <laughs> she had. A little bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> Total opposite. <laughs> and the fact that she was that supportive, right? So she at least had the same abundance mindset and confidence that, you know, that this is going to work and, and you guys are going to be able to thrive. And I think that's challenging sometimes between some spouses because you have to be on the same page there. Otherwise, you know, there can be some risks and some rub if folks are are concerned with, you know, taking on this entrepreneurial venture, doing something that's kind of contrarian, that's outside the normal realm. So here's what's interesting about what you just said. My wife is not incredibly abundant unless it's worth something or something that's worth being abundant about. That's what I mean. She is so grounded. She does not get excited or overly enthusiastic or overly positive unless she knows it's going to be a huge. So that's why when she said this company is going to be a very big deal, oh, that's all I needed to hear. I don't care what anyone else said. And because of my genetics, I knew I was capable of doing it because I was just born to do this. But when she said that, it just validated everything. And so one, I thank God every day that she has the exact opposite personality as me and basically is the exact opposite personality or person as me in every way. But And uh, my, our kids have an interesting mix of my wackadoodness and her kindness and love and rules and her intelligence. Um, so I always, I talk to a lot of people like me, um, and then I'm like, oh, so is your spouse a teacher or a nurse or a social worker, or pediatrician or grounded? And they're like, how did you know that? Yeah, my wife or my husband is a, a police officer or a nurse. And I go, well, because people like us don't marry someone like us. That would be a disaster. 
Um, I mean, they, it does happen sometimes, but no, I would not marry someone like me. That would be, well, I just marry the opposite of me. And uh, our kids will be an interesting, be interesting to see how they evolve. Yeah. Well, I want to dig into the, the book a little bit um, before we get out of here. So how did, sure. how did the, how did the book come about? And is that something, you know, you've kind of thought of before or, you know, how did, how did it come about that you ended up writing a book? So there was no intent to write the book at all. My company's uh, 30 month anniversary was October 16th, 2019. It's kind of a long time ago now. Wow. Time flies. But um, so for that, on that day, I posted 30 things that I had learned from the first 30 months of my company. Uh, from some of the top entrepreneurs in the world. And so I think at the time, I think I had like 35,000 followers on social media. And uh, everyone's like, oh, you must write a book. You must write a book. You must write a book. You must." And people were printing out the list and bringing it to meetings. So I don't do a lot of things, but if I do them, it has to be at the highest level. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll write a book. So signed with one of the top micropublishers in the United States, wrote the book in 43 days because that's, that's easy for me. Um, and then uh, it came out, came out in May of 2020, and it's an international bestseller in six countries. Chris Voss, who wrote Never Split the Difference, did the foreword. So anyone who knows anything knows who Chris Voss is, and it's read Never Split the Difference. So that uh, a lot of people write books that don't mean anything is it doesn't mean anything. So the book has really helped a lot of people. It's been a tremendous investment and just a great key, just a great, continues to open amazing doors. And, uh, each one of those things for the 30 things, each one of those is a chapter. So just like my dad's diary, boom, 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 no fluff, garbage, just here you go. Yeah, no, and I definitely recommend anyone in the audience to check that out. We'll make sure to, to put a link into the show notes in oh, there for, for them to pick that up. Um, you know, because like, that's the best way to digest information for me personally is just, hey, you know, hit, it, hit me with it. Tell me what I need to learn and what I need to know. And then you can easily go back for reference later too, right? You're not like, hey, what page was that on? Hey, I'm going to go to the chapter, was talking about it and, and implement that uh, yeah. to be successful. Thank you. So, all right, we'll wrap up here with the contrarian three pack. So, um, what would you say would be the most contrarian or off the beaten path investment that you've made before? So I don't invest in anything except my brain, um, but that's contrarian. So uh, I'm in EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Just as background on that, there are 14,000 members on the global level. And I don't care about revenue at all, but some people do. Um, so the average revenue per company member is 5 million US dollars. So there's very serious people in that. And so on one of the Facebook pages, they posted, uh, oh, what do you invest in? And everybody's like employees, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I just invest in my mind. And they're like, in my networking groups, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Well, that's their answer. I just invest in my brain. Well, and to your point, I think that is one that is becoming a little bit more mainstream, but definitely still overall contrarian in terms of investing in these coaching programs, these networking groups and things, because, right. you know, like you said, that's just not... That's just not the norm that, that people are used to and do. Right. So you talked about your 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 spouse, uh, you know, your kids. What's your favorite thing to do outside of the business with the family? Fishing, charter fishing. Where do you guys usually go? Uh, we've been on Lake Michigan several times. We caught some sharks in uh, the Florida Keys. Um, my sons are eight and six, so we're gonna do uh, when they're older. We're gonna go uh, uh, cage cage diving with like great white sharks and stuff. So that's on the agenda. That's awesome. You guys are brave. <laughs> Entrepreneur life. That's my right. Kid, I went skydiving and uh, my kids, uh, they want to do it with me. And uh, I think you have to be 18 in the United States, but in other countries, you can be a little younger. So when they're a little older, 
a little older will do that. But then the other thing we're going to do is go to the the North Slope, which is like America's last frontier. It's uh, in between Fairbanks and Barrow, uh, which is the furthest north in Alaska. And in the size of California, uh, there might be 500 people. So I'm going to take them up there uh, for a couple of weeks. But if we go now, they, they could easily be killed by a bear. So I'm going to wait a little longer. But that's the kind of things that we're planning. It's going to be exciting to do them. Yeah, all about experiences and especially with the ones that, you know, that matter most. That's mm-hmm. that's super fun. And then what does offer you the most fulfillment in life? Yeah, I just want to be a good dad. All this other stuff's meaningless to me. Obviously being a good husband, but nah, I just want to be a good dad. And I am a good dad. Great dad. Simple, short and sweet to the point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Justin, I greatly appreciated this conversation and <laughs> I know the audience is going to get a ton out of it. So what's the best way that they can get in touch with you out there and check out your, your brand? Oh, so here, here's the, here's the book. So thank you for allowing me to talk about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, by the time this airs, I've got about 25,000 followers there. So LinkedIn, Justin Breen on LinkedIn, my company's name is Brepic, which is always hilarious. We never talk about Never talk about the company, which I think is the funniest thing. But I do have a company, and it is very successful, and it's having I'm having a lot of fun with it. So Repic is the name of my company. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks again for the time. Looking forward to getting this one out there in the audience's ears. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.